And so what you're trying to do is find the right people at the right time that are receptive. And you lure them. Just like the devil lures them to do wrong, you lure them to accept Christ as their Savior. And you give them the bait and say, look, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A verse I often use every time I pull out my track, I'll show them on the front how that little fellow on there, that's, that, that's when I was 17 and had hair. They usually laugh a little bit, a little chuckle. doesn't hurt anything. And I said, let me show you something. On the inside, look at this verse. It says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. What's the purpose of reading that? It's bait. You can know you have eternal life. You can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. And so I use that. You're luring people. But we've got something everybody Needs to know. And so just remember that. Next statement. Don't give God orders. Just report for duty. Just report for duty. Look in Luke chapter 17. Look over there just first. The book of Luke chapter 17. But you do need to understand that you and I are not to give God orders. He is the commander in chief. He's the boss. He tells us what to do. And all we're supposed to do is say, yes, sir. Look what he says in verse 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down and eat? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird my, thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drunk. Wait a minute. A servant's been out there plowing and feeding cattle all day. He comes in the house, and he's supposed to serve and work and feed you and make sure you've got something to eat and to drink before he does. I like these kind of servants. This, you say, who's they talking about? They're talking about your wife. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. No. Now look, look in verse 9. Verse 9. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? He's, I should think not. But in verse 10, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done, and you ought to underline this or draw a circle around the word all. When you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, you and I, in serving the Lord, the thing that goes beyond the call of duty is the love that we have for the Lord. To go beyond that which God requires of us and do more. To sacrifice. You see, you have not sacrificed unto the Lord when you have simply given that which God requires. Sacrifice is when you go beyond that. Most people never go beyond. I believe a lot of people think that serving the Lord is just like tipping the Lord a quarter, you know, and hoping he just leaves me alone. You know, this is such a token of my appreciation. Thanks, God. Now, I'm free to do whatever I want to do with the rest of my life. 
I don't think it's going to work that way. But verse 10 is a good verse to keep in mind. Just say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm just an unprofitable servant. I really don't deserve anything. I've only done that which was my duty to do. You see, in the book of Romans in chapter 12, brethren, I beseech you that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's just something that we ought to do. Don't you think that all of God's people ought to serve the Lord? If we never get another blessing, if we don't get anything, if we don't get one reward, we still ought to do it. I'm just an unprofitable servant. And you want God to do what he feels free to do to us whenever we get to heaven and what he chooses to give. I believe God is such a good God. He's going to blow our minds. When you get there and you see what God is going to give you, it's going to blow your mind. Let me give you another statement. A man does not fail or fall in service unless he is unfaithful. Get that. A man does not fail in service unless he is unfaithful. Turn in your Bible and look in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. See there in verse 2? Moreover, it is required, required in stewards that a man be found rich, popular, just faithful. All God wants you to do is what you can do. God doesn't want you to do what you can't do. So... The preacher has no right to require of you anything God doesn't require of you. I don't have any authority to try to get you to do something God doesn't want you to do. True? All I want you to do is what you believe God wants you to do. So all I try to do is teach you the book and try to challenge and motivate you with what the Word of God says, and hopefully you'll respond. So, another good statement, let me give it to you. You may dodge the responsibilities, but you cannot dodge the consequences. So as you go through life, you can, you ever play dodgeball? Somebody trying to hit you with the ball and you try to dodge out of the way? Whenever my uncle came to pick us up out of Georgia, my mom and all of us six kids, they came down from Pennsylvania to Georgia to get us out of Georgia because of my dad was a drunk, and he's trying to kill my mom and beat her and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, they were going to get us out of there. But he had a new car he had just bought. This was in 1949. And he had a, a nice 1949 Dodge. And I used to play dodgeball. And I thought, man, to get a car that you play dodge car in. And you're driving down the road and you're trying to dodge cars. I mean, I was only seven years old, but I thought that's what it was for, and I didn't understand. But you can, as you go through life, dodge your responsibilities. Try to figure out ways to get out of doing what God wants you to do. You can dodge the responsibility. You don't have to read the Bible. Boy, I dodged that. I don't have to witness anybody. Boy, I dodged that. And you can dodge all you want, but understand, you cannot Dodge the consequences of your decisions. 
you and I are going to have to give an account to the Lord for what we have done. And that might not be pretty. Because God's the one that knows what you could have done with your life. God does. Another statement. He who abandons himself to God will never be abandoned by God. I know if I abandon myself to the Lord's hands, I'll never be abandoned by him. He said he'll never leave me and never forsake me. And that's good for my eternal security. But I'm talking about in the will of God. If I abandon myself to nothing more than the will of God for my life, I never have to worry about God leaving me without taking care of me or blessing me or giving me everything that I need to do whatever he wants me to do. Because now I know it's God's responsibility and God doesn't dodge his responsibility. Another statement. Satan crushes our spirits by getting us to bear tomorrow's burdens on today's grace. See, God says that he gives us the grace that we need for every day. But Satan wants to crush our spirits by getting us to bear tomorrow's burden on today's grace. We're supposed to believe that when tomorrow comes, God will give me the grace I need to bear that burden for that day. As he says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. In other words, God will give to you and I all that we need for each day, but it's wrong to borrow from the past or from the future. Live each day, moment by moment. Walk with the Lord, moment by moment, day by day. Another statement. God won't pay you on the first day for the rest of the week. God doesn't pay you on the first day for the rest of the week. You have to put in the time and the work and the effort, and then you can expect to get paid. Did you know, let me show you this to you. Look there in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. The Gospel of John and chapter 4. They had just gotten back from having uh, their whoppers at, Burger King. And they came up to Jesus and they said, are you hungry? He says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. See there in verse 32. And then the disciples said one to another, hath any man brought him ought to eat? Did anybody bring him something to eat? What's he talking about? Now, of course, Jesus was talking about his meat was to do the will of him that sent him. There is a satisfaction of doing what God wants you to do that the world will never understand. And food will not satisfy this desire and drive that you have. There's more to it. So he makes a statement there in verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. What's he saying? Don't think that one of these days down the road, we're going to. He says, the harvest is ripe now. But a lot of people are always planning in the future. One of these days, like that guy that mom, pa, kettle. 
Every time he walked out the screen door, it fell off its hinges, and he said, I'm going to fix that one of these days. And I thought, I didn't seen him say that in about four movies, and he never did fix that door. But I'm going to fix that one of these days. So he says, here, by the way, just to say along the line, the men in Washington can't fix the problem because you have to fix the men in order for them to fix the problem. And they do not have the wisdom of God to fix the problem. But look what he says here. In verse 36, And he that reapeth receiveth, what's that next word? Wages. It means that God will pay you to be a soul winner. God will pay you because he's talking about reaping the harvest, winning souls. God will pay soul winners. He didn't say he pays everybody else, but soul winners. And gather a fruit that will last forever. Boy, that's living for something that's worth living for. Let me give you a couple more of these. Never ask God to lighten your load, but strength to bear it. See, serving the Lord is not the absence of problems, but the addition of strength. I used to have a couple thousand of these, and I memorized them. And I would sprinkle my messages with these things. Now, I have to admit, my memory is not as good as it used to be. Because when you don't use it, you lose it. And so when I do evangelistic work, I just preach sermons. But whenever you're trying to build people strong, you need all these things. See, I'm not interested in you just being able to explain the gospel to somebody. You've got a life to live, and if you don't stay strong in the Lord in your personal life, you won't be witnessing to anybody. Because your life will fall apart. I want you to stay strong. And understanding some of these things will help you to be strong. And there are things that have helped me. So I believe that you're not much different than I am. And if it helps me, it probably will help you. I heard this one about a missionary. Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. I saw that at Boca Raton in 1964. It was on a sign there in what we used to call the, the old hot box where we had all of our meetings. And they'd have 400 kids there, no air condition here in Florida in the middle of the summertime. And that's how we used to have camp. Now we have to have air condition, don't we? We just got to have air condition. Well, I remember when we didn't have air conditioning, but be that as it may, and I saw that sign. It makes me think, I want to attempt great things from the Lord, and I expect great things from God. But see, if you don't attempt anything, you ought not expect anything, because you don't deserve anything. Faith drives a man to action. That's why he says faith without works is dead. Because faith in the Lord produces a love and an action in his life. Oh, you may know Christ is your Savior. You're going to heaven when you die. But you're not there yet. you still got life to live. Another statement. 
When you flee temptation, don't leave a forwarding address. I like that. When you flee temptation, don't leave a forwarding address. A person controlled by moods will not be faithful or won't be used. You see, have you ever seen somebody, here's the line of what we would consider to be normal. And there's people who can go way above the line of being normal. And, ah, everything is just wonderful. And they're just giddy and all. Laugh about everything. They're the life of the party. But when they get discouraged and down, they go that much down below the line of normal. They're really excited and positive and excited. And, and then they moments of despair and they're way down here. So how high you go above, you generally go below. And that's what we call a yo-yo. A yo-yo. And a lot of Christians are just a bunch of yo-yos. And so when you start maturing in the Lord, you don't go so high above the line and you don't go very far below the line. This is a sign of an undisciplined mind ruled by emotions. And God can't use that person because they're unstable. It's like having two minds. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Another good statement. Children of the king should use the language of the court. Are you a child of the king? Shouldn't you talk like your daddy? Shouldn't you know his word? Do you know I can be around Christians sometimes? And they, they, they never quote scripture. They never talk about the Lord. I don't know if they can quote any verses at all in the Bible. This was written by your dad. Your daddy wrote this. You're his child. A child of God should learn how to talk like his dad a little bit. And so when you study the word of God, you'll learn so much and you spend a little time with him, you'll begin to think like God thinks. I mean, it's supposed to work that way. Another good point. It is a great sin to tolerate a little sin. It is a great sin to tolerate a little sin. Don't talk cream and live skim milk. Don't let friendships influence your dollar. Beware of making a decision when you are discouraged. Boy, how many times I've had to use that. I'll be talking to some couple, and because her and her husband, they just, her and her husband, had a fight. And I said, look, don't make a decision when you're down and discouraged. They'll generally try to make one to get you out of a problem. And maybe the Lord doesn't want you out of the problem. He wants you to go through the problem and learn some lessons that he has for you. Don't think that God always wants you to run from a response, but run from a problem. Stop running. Because wherever you go, it's going to catch you. It'll find out where you are. Next point. Not serving the Lord is like a train off the track. Satan likes us to be active, but not productive. If you draw breath, God has a purpose for you. Don't remember me using that a couple of times here? If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Don't y'all remember any of these great bits of wisdom that I've taught y'all in the last two years? If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. 
So you're supposed to remember all these things. Another good one. If God never slumbers or sleeps, why should both of us stay awake at night? If God never slumbers or sleeps, why should both of us stay awake at night? Another good one. If you place everything that you have into the hands of God, it won't be long before you'll see God's hand in everything that you have. And you'll see God working in this area, and God's working here, and God's working, God's working. And you say, boy, it's so good to see God working. Well, see, God works because you put it into his hands. You do things that God says to do, and you'll begin to see God working. It worked that way. No man is greater than his prayer life. No man is greater than his prayer life. You need to talk to the Lord all the time about everything. And that's how you cast all of your cares upon the Lord. Talk to the Lord. He's your Father. Another good statement. Nothing is beyond the reach of prayer except that which is beyond the will of God. God grinds the axe he plans to use. Do you feel like sometimes God is just grinding on you? It could be like he's grinding and sharpened the edge of an axe. Because why would you sharpen the edge of an axe? To cut wood with. Should you sharpen the axe before you cut the wood or after you cut the wood? Or in the middle of cutting the wood? You should sharpen the axe before you cut the wood. And then sometimes in the midst of your work, a Christian can begin to lose his edge. So you sometimes have to stop and get the axe sharpened again. Sometimes God is working in your life because he's, he's just knocking off some of the rough edges out of your life. He knows what he's doing. Just be patient. And the last one I'd like to give to you. To find God's will is to find yourself and your purpose. To find God's will, you find yourself and your purpose. Who am I? Who made me? What am I doing here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What does God want me to do? So finding the will of God is finding yourself and the purpose for your life. And you do that, you'll, you'll be all right. Look up here. Let this hand represent you and me. By the way, let me just say this. You have no idea, and I really don't either, how many people are watching our broadcast, so always be praying and be thinking of those that might. See, you may know Christ is your Savior. You, you might not even need to hear this again. But if somebody's watching and they've never heard before, do you think I should do it just for the sake that they may hear it and understand it? You will probably be, in your mind, you'll be praying for those people that have never heard, right? Whew, man, we got a good people here. This is you and me. The wall represents sin. We all have sin on us. God says that he loves us. I believe that. I really do. I even believe that I'm a sinner. I even, I even believe that I've done things wrong. Well, why would I believe that? Because God said so. And if God hadn't have said so, I'd still believe it. I know. But God loves me. He hates my sin. And he says to pay for my sin, 
is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But God loves me, wants me to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, I have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and I'm not perfect. I'm not as righteous as God, not even close. God says you cannot save yourself. You cannot work your way to heaven. There's no amount of good deeds you can do to save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin, but he, he does love us. So I guess you could say that um, we are all loved. Whether some person loves us or not is another thing, but we know that God does love us. So Christ took all the sins of the whole world and paid for them on the cross. He came back from the dead, and this death payment that he made, he says if we would believe he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account. See, I didn't really make the payment. He did it for me, that substitution. He did it in my place. So he paid for my sins. He paid for your sin. He paid for the sins of the whole world. So anybody in the world can believe he did it for them. And God said, I will put this payment to your account. And you don't have a debt anymore. You don't have any sins to pay for. it. They're all paid. You get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. That's the gift of God. And all you have to do is believe that. And it says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That you will not perish, but have everlasting life. And you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not just talk to him right now and say, Lord, I don't understand it all. But Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I'm going to trust you and you alone as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, God says that if you would trust him, he would save you and give eternal life. So in the quietness of this moment, whether you're here in the auditorium or listen, would you right now accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Would you trust him? You that are in the auditorium, if you're trusting Christ as your Savior, you never have before. But tonight for the first time, you say, that made sense to me. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip in it very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all? Our Father, we thank you again for all that you've done for us. We're thankful that we have some of these bits of wisdom that are based upon what your word has to say to help to challenge and motivate us to appreciate all that you've done for us and what you can do. We pray that as we walk with you and abide in you that, Lord, we know that Satan is going to do whatever he can to tempt us and to lead us astray. Help us to stay as close as we can to walk with you as we ought to. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.